0: You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest
1: episode of Booth Review. It's a live edition of Booth Review presented by Emprise Bank member FDIC. I'm Ken Swanson. And with me is not Brandon mcanderson this week uh it's Nick Springer our beloved producer Nick what's good buddy
0: yo yeah I mean I look a lot different from Brandon mcanderson' so hopefully nobody uh got me mixed up with
1: him but I was about to say the podcast got a lot less handsome uh, uh, than it normally is. Mean, I,
0: I can't really yeah I can't really refute that to be honest I feel like I you thought was, you were say I thought you were gonna say the podcast got a lot, a lot worse at football.
1: Well, I mean there's yeah. I mean, let's be real, buddy. Uh no, it's no, it's it's true though. Um, you know, it's, B-Mac's good to be back. Um he's off this week. Nick, uh I I don't know. Let's give people a chance to tell them a little bit about yourself and what you're doing and what you're up to, just so people kind of yeah. get to know you a little bit.
0: Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a KU grad, so proud Jayhawk from the class of 2020. And uh, for the past year plus now, I have been uh, in in Lawrence as the host of Rock Chalk Sports Talk, which is uh, your only daily KU related uh, sports radio show, and uh, it's it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I've been having a blast with it, doing a lot of different coverage of KU, and obviously, it's a very very exciting time to be covering KU, both uh, on the football and basketball side. So I've been very happy to be back. Um, it's always been kind of my dream to work in sports and sports media, and so I'm uh, I'm. I'm living the dream, I guess, so to speak. And now you're
1: here. <laughs> yes, living now I'm here. I uh, also does a show with Derek Johnson, who you've heard on this show. Derek's joined me on Booth Review uh, last season as well. So uh, they do great work over there at 1320. Uh, very much enjoy them. I was on with them a couple of weeks ago too. Uh, but yeah, I'm yeah, really excited yeah, to be. Yeah, you've been on. You've been on our show. So. I'm friend of the. I'm friend of the show. I'm friend of the Have show here. Uh Have and. We've had more barbecue than I've been on radio, though, because Kevin Flaherty <laughs> brings together a lot of the uh, KU media folks, and we all find a barbecue spot. Actually, no, Kevin finds a barbecue spot, uh, and then everyone shows up except for Scott Chase, and who ghosts us uh, yes, be- yeah, because of how like so. because of how vitriolic it, it ended. Honestly, me and him.
0: I would push back on uh, Kevin Flurry finding a barbecue spot. He's found every barbecue spot there is to know of. He doesn't. He hasn't found
1: any more. He just. Yeah. He just knows where they all are. He just knows the good ones all the time. Uh, he's the one that introduced me to Chef J, uh, which is yep. one of my favorite barbecue places in this on this planet. Heart Barbecue also introduced me to that. It's all great. Uh, but yeah, no. Uh, it's uh, I've known I've known Spring Dog. I've known him for like a year now. Uh, roughly because yeah. that's we kind of met over barbecue and and now here we are yep. and you're at Casey Sports Network and all that good stuff uh yep. we have we have some uh we have some pretty important uh stuff to talk about today because KU is coming off of a huge win we got to talk about that game a little bit mm-hmm. um and then obviously uh they have the biggest game of the season for them uh yep as far as rankings are concerned I you, I'm sure people are gonna listen to this and go okay k State but I mean, Texas, they're, they're playing the number three team in the country here uh, in a couple of days. But let's start with the BYU game. Yeah. Um, I think, I don't think anybody at this point needs to know the gravity of that game and how important it was for this team to go out there and take care of business and and not drop that one. That feels like a, we all, we talked about how Illinois was kind of a defining moment game but that just because you get one under your belt doesn't mean that there's not more moments that can kind of shape the trajectory of your program and of your team. And BYU felt like another moment, another uh game that they're kind of you know shaping the trajectory of their team, a 3 and 0 football team fresh off of beating an SEC opponent and beating them by double digits, I believe or they were up double digits at least late. Um just the the gravity of that game, I don't think can be understated. Now.
0: Yeah, my thought process going to the game against BYU is BYU, by all accounts, uh, seems like a pretty average middle-of-the-road Big 12 team, right? Like, probably between 6th and 8th in the Big 12. And if you believe, from the Kansas side, if you believe that Kansas is in the upper echelon of the Big 12, a top-five Big 12 team, a team that could realistically, seriously compete for a Big 12 title down the road, you're at home against an average middle-of-the-road Big 12 team, that's a game you have to win. If that's what you believe, KU, it is, and that's what you believe they can be. And so that was kind of my mentality going into the game. And obviously, KU did did perform in the game and got the win, and that that certainly increased my thought process on KU. But yeah, going into it, it was, okay, you're playing an aver- a pretty average Big 12 team that doesn't have a lot of explosiveness really on offense at home. And if you believe, if you're Kansas, if you believe that you truly are a top five Big 12 team or a true Big 12 title competitor this season, that's a game you should be able to win going away. And to their credit, KU did just that, right? They they, they go in, they they got some help from their defense, they got a couple of defensive touchdowns, and they took care of business and really controlled the game for the most part, uh, especially in the second half. And, and late in the game, they were able to go down and use the four-minute offense to run some time off the clock, kick a field goal to take two-possession lead that pretty much solidified the win. That's something they hadn't been able to do last season. Last season, there were a number of games where the offense got the ball late with the lead and kind of didn't really you know, stick, the, stick the knife deep enough and let the other team have another chance. Some of those games, they still ended up winning, by the way, but you would like to see those, you know, that be executed a little bit better, and they did that against BYU, which I was also really impressed by. But yeah, this, is a, this, this was a game to me where, kind of similar to the Texas game coming up, it's a measuring stick game. The BYU game was for me. It's like, are you a top five Big 12 team, or are you more in the middle of the pack? And you're facing a middle-of-the-pack team at home, you should be able to win, and they did.
1: Yeah, and I think unfairly or not the emotions around that game that BYU game just felt different right it was you know I think there's just like I think there's just scar tissue for some for some KU fans where you know they've been through a decade where there was just not a lot to be excited about and then last year you get this team starts five and zero, obviously finishes one and seven but just makes unbelievable strides they become the story of of college football for a few weeks um and you know big big monumental moments and you know it i think there's i don't know if it's just i I don't know the the emotions just felt different this week like people want to believe people want to buy in people want to change their expectations but expectations have changed so quickly but and also there's like a little bit of uh, a fear of of being hurt (laughs) right oh absolutely you know it just feels like some of these games could be more devastating to the psyche of KU fans than maybe you know some more you know consistent performances over the last few years right and so yeah. i think it's there's always just like this level of like cautious optimism that comes it's, and there's but there's still caution there's definite caution there with just how some people feel about this team and i think it felt like a little bit of a tense game um I, I wasn't at the booth this week uh but i it felt like a very tense game for you know i was tense uh candidly like it just felt like you know, you you wanted this so bad i think so much people some people wanted this so bad for the program and it wasn't that they weren't expecting good things to happen it was that they know the gravity of the moment right and like i, I think yeah you know it was it was kind of a it was kind of a slow performance, and you know there were some things early that you know like Kenny was trailing in the first half against BYU, um, but it, it was just good to see them. I, frankly, I, I think they dominated the second half in a big way, and and that was obviously really fun to see.
0: Yeah, the defensive touchdown to start the second half on the on the uh, pick six from Kenny Logan that really set the tone for the rest of the game. Right? That was a cathartic the- moment, maybe. All yeah, honestly, for that. The real question l- is, it's 17-14 at halftime. The offense only scored seven points in the first half, right? Because he had the Kobe, the, the Kobe Bryant, you know, fumble six. So, it's 17 you're down. The offense only scored seven points in the first half. But, uh, again, from watching the game, it wasn't necessarily that the offense was playing poorly. It's just they only scored seven points. So, there was definitely some nervous energy, I think. But you get the pick six, Kobe Bryant, from uh, Kenny Logan, excuse me, to start the second half. And that just really seemed to set the tone and the offense didn't punt in the second half and they were pretty much unstoppable. And that seemed to really spark KU and, and and kind of allow them to coast to the
1: win. Yeah, de- definitely. I have some, I have some takes just on the performance of this team against BYU before we move on to, uh, to the Texas game, of course. But, uh, we, I do want to talk about the hottest apparel in Kansas, uh, athletics right now. Uh, Home Field Apparel has an incredible selection of KU gear. It's got some throwback style. Our guy Nick Springer is wearing one right now. Uh, they've got you know some of your kind of throwback stuff. They've got stuff to to the Orange Bowl era. They've got all kinds of really awesome selection. And you can go to Home Field Apparel and use code NOSEATS23 to get 15% off your KU apparel. Uh, with, yeah, promo code NOSEATS23. So make sure you're taking advantage of that. Uh, because it's awesome. Uh, I've got a large order coming in here shortly, and I cannot wait to be rocking it. Uh, here at the booth, you know I'm going to be rocking it. So I can't wait. Make sure you check it out. Home Field Apparel, no, promo code No Seats 23 We're going to take a break. We'll be back to talk about the offensive and defensive performance against BYU right after this. Thanks for listening to KC
0: Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google
2: Play. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi wild cherry also available in zero sugar. So grab a Pepsi wild cherry and get wild. Hey guys, it's Betty Heist from Benny
0: and the bets. And when it comes to improving your golf performance, there is nothing quite like a PXG custom club fitting experience with a true PXG fitting specialist. This data-driven fitting is going to help determine the right club heads, perfect loft, lie, and shafts to be able to completely transform and change your game, and also lower your scores in the process. So no matter your skill level. You can be fitted for PXG's flagship Gen 6 clubs. They're designed to deliver incredible gains in distance, accuracy, and forgiveness. And for a limited time, you can use the code PXG75 when you sign up for a custom fit and get 75%
1: off your fitting at pxg.com,
0: or you can give their store in Kansas City a call at 913-396-6100.
1: Thanks, everybody that's hanging out with us. Appreciate you uh, getting you ready for KU Texas here shortly. Have some things I think that I want to talk about the offensive and defensive side of the ball for Kansas, though. And it's I think it's it's a hybrid. It's it's looking back on what just happened in BYU and what's leading up to this game. Um, you know, against Texas. So, like, I think it kind of serves two masters here. When I look at, you know, the offensive side of the ball, obviously there was some slow going early on. And I, I start with the passing game because, like, the, the, the running game got going in a big, big way in the second half. I felt really good about what we saw in the running game. You saw them starting to wear BYU down. You saw them being able to run with a lot of ease and a lot of confidence. But I look at the passing game and last two weeks the passing game has kind of been a little up and down if I'm being honest and it's not too I guess what we've seen out of the passing game since the first half of Illinois is probably not going to cut it against Texas um and I don't like there's I have some theories I have some thoughts like I think Jalen Daniels like he's you know there's been some up and down you know with him as far as you know maybe trying to go big game hunting at times having to try to create out of structure afterwards you know there's been you know he throws the interception you know trying to throw the hook route um, which I I don't I don't hate the decision that's a great play by Ben Bywater I you know I I don't discredit the decision but you look at his line 14 and 19 130 yards passing three touchdowns obviously but when I look at the passing game production I feel like something's lacking and what I feel like is kind of lacking Is I don't think we're seeing a ton of explosive plays down the field in the passing game. And what I'm curious to see is is this is this something top down that's you know the team teams are you know trying to eliminate the explosive plays, or are they just having a hard time generating you know open receivers down the field? Because I don't think Jalen Daniels is afraid to chuck the ball down the field. It just feels like we haven't seen this team really you know be able to open it up. And, and throw the ball down the field. I think some of the, you know, plays since that first half against Illinois, really not a ton of explosive pass plays in the air. You know, we've seen some, you know, big, big catches and whatnot, but maybe not necessarily, you know, a ton of air yards. And I just wonder, you know, th- that's something that makes me wonder, like, h- why? What's going on there? What What is happening? Are, are guys getting open? Um, is this team lacking some real great ability to win down the field
0: yeah it's an interesting question and the rally situation is that Mason Fairchild, Quinn Skinner and I think Lawrence Arnold all three of those guys I don't believe have a touchdown yet this season Uh, which is pretty shocking considering the circumstances and that's part of I want to address this question from Bad Ombre about Mason Fairchild right I mean that's a guy that coming into the year you considered to be your bona fide tight end one somebody that Ken, I don't know about you with your with your KCSN draft stuff. Maybe a guy that you would see as a possible draft pick, right? Maybe a second day draft pick type player.
1: He has some fans. I don't know about day two, maybe day two, uh, but he has some fans in the league. I yeah. will say that. And
0: so, you know, that's a guy that you probably expected to have some more production right now than than what he does. Uh, and and to me, Quentin Skinner is the clear deep threat when you look at this team, and he hasn't really had the opportunity to do that. Lawrence Arnold has has had some. Good games, but you know hasn't really made any more explosive plays. Obviously, Luke Grimm It's clear that he's kind of your number one red zone guy uh wide receiver. He has that great connection with Jalen Daniels. But yeah, yeah, it, it is a bit, it's a bit interesting. And I don't know if it's if it's Jalen Daniels, you know, trying to hard to force the ball down the field like you said, or you know, uh it's it's hard to say. But it is a fat It is a, a part of the offense that I feel like definitely needs to show up against Texas, right? I mean, you're going to need some explosive plays, I think, against Texas to be able to move the ball uh, against the Longhorns. So. I'm very curious, just like Van Obrey might be from uh, watching this, uh, You know, when when's Mason Fairchild going to step up and, and have a big game? Because he's a guy you know you keep an eye on as, as a real threat, you would think, on um, third-down situations. But uh, uh, you know on the flip side of that, though, the right situation is they really haven't needed those big explosive plays. I mean, when you're getting six, seven yards on the ground every play with Devin Neal and Daniel Eishaw, that's just kind of what's working. And I think Andy Kolnicki is the type of offensive coordinator that he will just go with what's working. And he's not afraid to just keep going back to the same well if it continues to work. And so maybe that's just kind of his philosophy is, hey, you know, we're having a lot of success running the ball. Let's just stick with that. Uh, it's working really well. And so and another interesting part of the offense uh, that I will touch on real quick, just kind of going back to all four of the games so far this season for KU is they've had a pretty starkly different game plan in almost every game. And I think that's by design. Andy Kolnicki has said that he wants to be the most stressful offense to prepare for in the country. And. I think that's I think we're seeing that slowly unfold kind of his plan of how he wants to, you know, put that on film and show each week different facets of the offense. So I don't know, maybe a game where they are going to look to throw the ball down the field more is tumming. Maybe it's sweeping into Texas, but uh at the end of the day, the offense has still been successful, even necessarily without having that real explosiveness that, that you're looking for.
1: Yeah. I think in, you know, like I I get you there. Like I it's not that the offense isn't being super successful necessarily it's just that there are pieces of it and like i mean this offense hasn't been as explosive as it's been against you know like this as it was at times last year like this has not been the the most explosive version of a kansas offense in the last couple weeks not that it's been bad but it's just not been you know it hasn't fired on all cylinders and I think the some of the things that are not concerning me but I think the things that can really open things up is and is where I look at is some explosive pass plays down the field and getting the ball and pushing it down the field a little bit farther and trying to hit on a few of these plays down the field I don't feel like we've seen enough of that and you know honestly like the run game was a little up and down I thought in the first half against BYU and I I was looking at us like, I think they need to air it out a little bit more. They need to try to sling this this ball around the yard and put the ball in the best hands of their best player and and see what happens. And I don't know. I just, I don't feel like we've seen an explosive passing element. And I don't know if it's just, you know, it's a little circumstantial, sure. It's, you know, hey, look, there's, and there's nothing wrong with, there is nothing wrong with some of these long sustained drives that this team's put together. Don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining. But I just wonder there's going to come a point where this team is going to need some explosive pass plays down the field and i feel like it might be this week and so when i'm yeah. looking at things that are concerning me about this game when it comes to ku versus texas i think i'll just across the board i think explosive plays on both sides of the ball are going to be a very telling metric for this game and no kidding can't cuz that's an ex- that's a pretty big thing for I think it's a. I think there's a couple things that are bigger points of emphasis if Kansas is going to want to try to you know, want to win this game. And pushing the ball down the field, I think, is going to be um, you know something that they need to do a couple times in this game to really open some things up. I just I don't know something like the passing game seems to still be kind of getting into a little bit of a rhythm here, and they probably need to loosen some things up with some vertical stretch. because I kind of wonder if teams are starting to challenge them a little bit down the field uh, and just try to get them keep them from just, you know, just, hey, like, let's, you know, let's, let's, let's force him to drive a little bit. The run game, though, was awesome. Uh, in the second half, specifically, yeah. I thought the running game was great. Like, the, and the, and the running game had some bright spots in the first half, too. Don't get me wrong. But, um, yeah, I really liked what we saw out of the running game. Jalen Daniels' best game on the ground. Daniel High shot eight carries, 16 yards. Devin Neal looked awesome, 17 carries, 91 yards. Uh, Dylan McDuffie had a big run there, too. Um, Funnily enough, no rushing touchdowns for uh, a team that had 221 yards on the ground. Kind of crazy, but yeah, I thought the run game was good and I thought it was diverse.
0: Yeah, yeah, I thought the run game was great. And and Andy Kolnicki had mentioned that it was kind of by design that Jalen Daniels didn't run very much against Nevada. That was part of their game plan because to try to keep him healthy and you saw him be unleashed a little bit more against BYU and I, and I think it's worth noting that we you go back to the Texas game from last season when KU played against Texas and Lawrence, that was Jalen Daniels' first game back really from the injury he'd suffered last season and so he really wasn't a threat to scramble at all at that point I I think probably by design in that game too and I wonder if in this game against Texas now coming into with KU going into Austin if this isn't going to be a game where they kind of let Jalen off the leash so to speak and say you know what use your legs to your heart's content you you know utilize that rushing ability to try to keep the defense off balance and and use that a lot more because that's not something that Texas saw from Jalen Daniels last season which in a weird way, could end up actually kind of benefiting KU possibly going into this game, and maybe Texas is not fully prepared to see exactly what Jalen Daniel can do with, on the ground. So that's uh, that's something that I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on in this upcoming game against the
1: Longhorns. Yeah, and I'm I think this is a every game feels like a kitchen scene game, and not with with KU offensively. And it's not that like they're just going to un- unload the clip, but this group has so many different looks that they give and they've been building so many different looks. They take Mason Fairchild and uh, Jared Casey line up next to the center as essentially a guard and a tackle just off the line of scrimmage. Do tackle and guard over uh, and then bring the tackle and guard back right behind them and now they're pulling Jared Casey and Mason Fairchild. They're giving them all kinds of different looks every single week. But I do think that this is a week where maybe you've saved some stuff to to try to spring on this team. And, you know, when I'm looking, you know, at the offense for this team, like I talk about, I think there's going to need to be, I think they've got to hit a couple explosive plays. They've got to hit some quick strike scores. Um, And this is going to sound counterintuitive when I say this. I think they've got it. I think they got to hit some quick, big explosive plays. But they also probably need to have some of those vintage long sustained drives, too. So it's got to be a little bit of it's got to be a little bit of both. I just think for this team to beat Texas, they've got to get more out of the passing game than they have to this point. And I feel like, you know, that it's it's on the pass catchers here to step up and get open. And I think it's on Jalen to make good decisions with the football. They've got to try to find some explosives and they've got to be able to I, I think I think this is a big game for the receiving group to um to kind of show what they're made of. And if the pass catchers show up in this game in a big way, I think really good things are going to happen for this football team on Saturday.
0: Another thing I want to address from Matt Obrey, listen, Bat Obrey is on the same wavelength that I am, Ken, because Jason Bean is a guy, you're talking about getting some explosive plays, making things happen. KU has brought Jason Bean out of the field. They did it against BYU. They did it against Nevada. They brought him out of the field and they have not done anything with him. He's just, he's just not had any, any impact. They haven't even run any plays for him. Nothing. When they brought him, brought him on the field. I think that's by design. I think they are trying to lull teams to sleep with with Jason Bean. I think there could be some plays where Jason Bean gets involved and is either throwing the ball, you know, back to Jalen Daniels or Jalen Daniels to Jason Bean or some something. I think we could be seeing in Texas because I, I think that there's a lot of potential there with Jason Bean, and I think Andy Kowlicki knows that. And I think there's been a little bit of by design, kind of not really showing too much with him, you know, getting him on the field, getting him on tape of, and then teams saying, oh, "Okay, well he's just a decoy, he's not going to do anything," and then try to hit something big. So. Jason Bean's another guy that I'm I'm very much paying attention to. And I think in this game against Texas, it's it's also kind of a strength against strength situation. You know, KU's number one in the country in, in third down conversions right now, in third down percentage. Texas is the third best team in the country in success rate on defense. So basically not letting teams get into to easy convertible third down situations. And to your point about the passing game, if KU's in more third and seven, third and eight, third and nine situations, they are they are definitely going to need the passing game to be more successful than it has been because that's maybe another reason why they had not necessarily needed it as much is when you're in third and three, third and four, just run a little ace dive with Devin Neal. Run a little ace dive with Daniel Highshaw. You're going to get the first down probably. Uh, but in this game, that might not be the case, right? If they do face a little bit more third and mediums, third and longs, where the pass game might need to be more of a factor. So that, I'll, be, I'll be very curious to see that strength against strength. You know, Can KU still find success on first and second down? And if they can, fantastic, right? Because at that point, you've probably mitigated – one of the best things that Texas has done so far this season on defense, which is forcing teams into more third and long situations, so that would be that would be great. But if not, if there are those more third, and medium, third and long type situations, then you're absolutely right, Kent. The, the The passing game will have to be certainly more effective down the field as well.
1: Yeah, and I, I just think there's there's got to be some chunk element involved, some chunk play element involved to some of the stuff you're talking about there. You got to win on early downs, first and second down. You got to hit some big explosive plays. You got to keep yourself out of some of those behind the stick situations. The other thing I'm kind of curious about, too, to your point and to all this, I wonder how thoughtful this team about is about some some four-down territory. And if they're a little... This is a game that Lance Leipold decides to be a little bit more aggressive with his fourth-down decision-making. If he gets into some of these third-down situations and tells Andy colnick like, hey, you've got two plays here. You know, because um, I feel like... This team was, you know, the last time this team upset Texas, there was some aggressive decisions on fourth down. Uh, they went for it. They tried to win that game. And this might be a game where they they play with a little bit more of that kind of philosophy in their decision making on on third and fourth down. So if it's a fourth and six, and, you know, maybe maybe they're more, or third and six, sorry, maybe they're more apt to run the ball a little bit. Maybe they're more apt to put the ball on the ground and, and try to get, you know, four and and make themselves and put themselves in a manageable fourth and two. Uh I could see them being a little bit more aggressive in their decision making. But um yeah, I think I think those are some of the things to pay attention to on the on the offensive side of the ball against can uh, against Texas and and honestly, I think um yeah, looking back on that BYU game, there's there's much to be desired there if they're going to try to beat Texas. So, uh it's going to be fascinating to see anything else on offense you want to talk about Springer
0: Uh, Hit on the third down stuff, the Jalen Daniels rushing, uh, the Jason Bean. Uh, One other thing I did want to mention just with Devin Neal is KU over the past two games especially, I've noticed a bit of a trend in how they want to utilize Devin Neal where they want to get him the ball early and often in the first half. But then in the third quarter, that's really more the Daniel Highshaw quarter and more Dylan McDuffie to where you don't see Devin Neal much in that third quarter. And then they bring him back on in the fourth quarter. They did that against Nevada and they did that against BYU. So maybe a little bit of a trend in of K, KU showing how they want to sort of manage the workload of Devin Neal and it makes a lot of sense right because at the end of the day basically if you are going to let kind of give Devin Neal a third quarter off you're giving him almost over an hour of real time of rest because you've got you know the college football halftime which is like 300,000 years and then you get the third quarter as well so he's getting a lot of time off so I think it's actually really smart by KU I wonder if in a game like this against Texas where maybe that kind of goes out the window if you feel like you need that Devin Neal explosiveness for all four quarters but just an interesting thing I've noticed with how KU's been uh utilizing Devin Neal and managing his his workload.
1: I'll just say this. I think four quarters of KU's performance like they had against Illinois um is going to make this game very interesting. Uh if they <laughs> yes. can if they can put together their most complete offensive performance. And if it mimics a lot of what we saw against Illinois in the first half of that game, uh th- they can they can beat Texas. They can do it. That that offense was insane. Jalen Daniels was insane. Um everything was working. Ball production, I mean it's, it's, it's I'm not going to say it's going to take perfect. It's not going to take perfection, but it's going to be pretty close to perfection. You know? Uh, it's it's going to be it's going to require just a a really big performance from the offensive side of the ball. And what happened against BYU is not going to cut it. But they have the talent, they have the ability, and we've seen them put together some really exceptional tape as even in this year. So if they play their best football on offense, good things are going to happen. We're back with another week of football and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw $5 down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away an instant winner. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Football is more fun when you're in on the action, so download the app now and sign up with code KCSN. New customers can bet just $5 to get $200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code KCSN. Again, code KCSN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778 Hope NY or text Hope NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 789 7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. Licensee partner Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, Louisiana. 21 and older. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com dot com slash football terms for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Defensive side of the ball. Um, huge performance from Kansas's defense against BYU and I know they allowed a few more points than they have recently. But couple things. Like we got to start two defensive touchdowns. You know, this team taking the ball away in big, big moments and putting the ball in the end zone when the offense hasn't been as consistent. I mean, BYU's offense outscored Kansas' offense in this game. The difference in this game was KU's defense putting 14 points on the board.
0: Yeah, and the rally situation is, when you are a good or great team, you're going to need to win some football games in different ways. And I think that's what the BYU game showed for for KU as a whole, is that the defense helped to win the game. Like you said, I think mean, the offense got basically outscored by BYU and, and you got some turnovers and that helped you win the game. So really, really a stellar performance from the defense against BYU. And, and hopefully that carries them over into this game against Texas.
1: No, no doubt. And I think this is going to be another different game. Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't, I would be surprised if we see Ke play as aggressive when it comes to making plays on the football and driving down on you know on on some stuff and being as aggressive of a blitzing team, you know I think they're going to have to pick their spots. And you heard Brian Borland, I think it was today, talking about how there's not a ton of weaknesses on the Texas offense. This is a very very good offense, but I think there's one thing that concerns me the most about this offense. Um, and I think it's the story, one of the big stories of this game. And like we'll talk about turnovers too for sure. Um, but I think a big storyline in this game is going to be can Kansas limit the explosive plays of Texas? And can Kansas find the, their own offensive explosive plays of their own? The big difference, I think, between that in that Texas Bama game is Texas was able to hit on a couple really big explosive plays. That wound up in you know with with you know in the end zone or close to the end zone. Those big explosive pass plays are what opens things up for Texas against Bama, um, and what kind of helped them comfortably win that football game. Kansas has to try to limit the explosive plays of Texas, and that's why I kind of wonder if we see a little bit different approach to this defense. Because, you know, this is such a good dynamic off you know, dynamic team. Do they play bend but don't break? And I know that's like a negative connotation, but do you play top down? Do you try to eliminate the explosive plays, force this offense to drive down the field consistently and be happy and content if you can tighten things up in the red zone and give up field goals?
0: Yeah, one of the things that I'm I'm very curious to see with KU's defensive approach in this game is You've got Xavier Worthy, who was probably the best receiver K he's going to face all season. But with the way Kobe Bryant has been playing so far this season, if I'm Bryant Borland, I'm almost tempted to say, Kobe, just go follow Xavier Worthy around the field. I mean, if if you if you're a all Big Twelve first team quarter, if you're all American level quarter that, you know, you've been playing like so far this season, go out and shut that guy down. And that if that's if you go operate off that game plan, then maybe you can take some of your extra defensive help and go help in other areas. So that's kind of how I would approach it. I don't know if I don't know if Brian Burwell's going to use that same approach, but to me, with the confidence and the level of play that Kobe Bryant's had displayed so far this season, I would almost say go go match up against Xavier Worthy every play, and we'll try to handle everything else.
1: I think the thing that bothers me or worries me a little bit about that approach, if they try to take it, is Xavier Worthy is best with the ball in the air down the field, and I think Kobe Bryant one of the big strengths that he really has is his just instincts to be able to play on on breaking routes and, and breaking on the football. And so that gives me a little bit of pause, and just I'm a little bit nervous about that, if I'm being honest. Like, because like Kobe Bryant's awesome, and I'll tell you what, um, I've always like this is just, I've always been a fan of Kobe Bryant. I started looking at Kobe Bryant differently as an NFL prospect, and maybe it's I'm a little harder on Kansas players because I'm not trying to be, uh, I don't try to have like crimson and blue glasses when I'm watching some of these kids. So I'm t- I tend to be a little bit harder evaluator on some of these Kansas kids, but yeah, I if you put Kobe Bryant in a different jersey, I think I I, I put Kobe Kobe Bryant in a different jersey in my head, right? And I mean that dude. I, I'm just I'm continually impressed with him. I think he's susceptible to some double moves because I do think he's an an, an aggressive playmaking kind of corner. I'm worried about him over the top, though, and so like I don't know if I want to completely leave him on an island against Xavier Xavier Worthy. I'm still trying to give him some help. I think that's just my perspective. I, yeah, but I mean, look, Kobe's gonna have to make a play on the ball in this game, like he did, like he did his freshman year. (laughs) Like, and I'll I'll be fascinated to see how Texas's approach to Kobe Bryant is because teams have done a pretty good job avoiding him, and teams have just actively just said, "Now we're not really gonna, we're not gonna try to stay over there." We're not going down. Yeah. So do does Texas try to challenge him? And where do they try to challenge him if they do that? Because I think they I think he might be able to get had over the top a little bit. But
0: also, I mean, no matter which way you look at it, you're gonna probably have some one on one matchup somewhere on the field if you're Kansas, right? I mean, if you're trying to take away DeJ- Javian Sanders, who is probably the best tight end in football behind Brock Bowers, that's gonna draw a lot of attention. If you're trying to shut down A.D. Mitchell, who's been shown he has a lot of explosiveness, that that you know, that's stretching your defense. So no matter which way you look at it, you might be looking at you know possible one-hour matchups across the field potentially for Kansas if you're trying to keep a lid on this Texas offense. And I think the real difference maker for KU in this game could end up being their pass rush. If you look at the pro football focus numbers for Quinn Ewers, there's a dramatic drop when he's under pressure in terms of how effective he is, which by the way, he has not been under pressure a lot this season. The Texas offensive line's done a great job, but when he has been under pressure, there's been a pretty dramatic drop in those numbers. So, I think for KU to maybe be successful in this game, try to get some pressure on Quinn Ewers. Try to, you know, it'll be a big game for the KU pass rush if they can do that and, and get more involved because Quinn Ewers also has to throw an interception this season. And you know, you go back to last season, he was vulnerable to inconsistencies. And last season it was different, though. You could just turn around and hand it off to B. John Robinson if you're having a bad game. And not that not that Texas as rushing offense is any less dangerous this year than it was with B. John Robinson, but you know, they don't have that level of running back behind him. So that puts a little, maybe a little bit more pressure on on Quinn Ewers to to be successful and if KU can can get after him a little bit and maybe you know rattle him a little bit put some pressure on him something he hasn't seen a lot of this season that to me could
1: uh, could make a big difference also Kansas defensive line is good yeah it's good it's good guys it's good it is far exceeding any game-makers. any expectation i think people had it's deep it's athletic it's diverse and it's got some playmakers. Jamie Robinson and Austin Booker are good. Jamie Robinson, I—that's a guy I—I've I've hammered as like I think this is a I think this is a draftable player. Austin Booker is going to dr- get drafted higher than him someday. Austin Booker is awesome. Um, yeah. Devin Phillips is a, a really strong interior player. Um, and they dealt Dedrick Withers and Tommy Dunn. And I mean, this is a Gates Keys had a great game against me. Also, he's. I mean, like they've got bodies. That are capable of playing, and that's a huge asset for this team. I think they've got to win some. I I don't know if they can heat him up with a bunch of extra bodies because every body he blitz is a body that can't cover. Yeah. And so it's going to be the. I mean, obviously, the ideal situation for any team is to get home with four. Kansas needs to try to generate some pressure with their pass rush with four, because I don't think they can afford to throw too many guys. Um you know, in, 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 blitzes. I don't think they can blitz too much personally. Um, I, maybe this is the coward in me, but I, I, this is, if I were, if I were managing this game, I'd try to, I'd try to limit explosives. I'd try to play bend, but don't break and try to execute in the red. I'd try to be, you know, I, I'd, I'd try to be. I'd I'd try to, you know, force as many field goals as I possibly can, and, like, that's the approach I would probably take with this offense because it's a lot of balance, good run of the football, (laughs) good in the air. Um, You know, they had had two passes over 49 yards in this game uh, against Baylor last week. Um, They've had one of their hallmarks has been a lot of explosive plays, so I got to keep those from happening and try to, you know, turn this into an execution game. And I think, you know, to your point, you know, Springer against pressure and, and some of that stuff. I think Quinn Ewers forcing Quinn Ewers to drive down the field is not a bad thing. You know, I I think I think there's some inconsistencies there from him against pressure and just period that can allow him to be had a little bit. So, how do you do that? Well, if he's got to play a higher volume of plays, he's, there's a higher chance of him making a mistake. You know, with the ball. Um, and so, I think run defense early down, run defense is going to be big. And limiting explosive plays are going to be huge for this team. And I, I think the defensive line is a huge place for this to start.
0: Yeah. I mean, listen, Texas got 427 yards rushing against KU last year. That was obviously with B. John Robinson. But listen, they had a couple other guys that, that are still on the team this year that had over 100 yards against Kansas last year as well. But the, rea- the also, if you look at the pro football as focused numbers, KU or Texas's offensive line does not grade out super well in run blocking so far this season it's really been a lot of their running backs making plays. And so if you're Kansas, coming off of a game against BYU, which by Profile to focus was your best tackling game of the season, if you can replicate that and tackle really, really well and you know not let these Texas running backs create uh, out, off of contact and set up Texas in second and eight, third and six, third and seven, third and eight, then yeah, you're right, absolutely. Then all of a sudden that pressure does fall more on the shoulders of Quinn Ewers to – because, you know, listen, I, I don't know if maybe this might be too much of a stretch, but – Quinn Ewers at this point is a glorified game manager with the weapons that he has. I mean, his, really, his job is just get the ball to the hands of Jay Sanders, get the ball to Xavier Worthy, get the ball to Aden Mitchell. I mean, that's all it is right now. I, I, you know, I haven't seen him. I mean, he's made, he made some nice throws. He's made made a couple of nice throws against Bama, but that's really all he's been so far this season. And so maybe he kind of cracks a little bit under the pressure if it's if it's a third down and long. You know,
1: I think it's yeah. I think it's. I, I think the, the name of the game is just... it's I think you try to turn this into an execution game as much as you can for Kansas versus Texas. Like, because te- Texas has all the talent. They're a more talented football team, and I don't think anybody's going to argue that. They've got depth. They've got playmakers. They've got explosive playmakers. And I think Quinn Ewers is playing pretty good football. KU's got to, you know, try to find a way to... F- you know, force them into a, an execution game where it's, you know, down in, down out. You're going to have to be good with your situational football. You're going to have to drive the length of the field. We're not going to let you just give up all these explosive plays. We're, you know, not going to turn the football over. You know, it's, 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 it's going to be a game one in margins. You know, I, I genuinely think that, you know, turnovers, you know, third and fourth down execution, you know, explosive plays red zone execution you know all these stuff you know I I, it's it's gonna be huge for this team um and it's, it's gonna be a team effort it's gonna be a team effort across the board and it, if KU's gonna have a chance and if they're gonna win this game it's gonna be done in the margins and it's gonna be done with 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 the little things I think like what you just said about tackling is huge yeah. you've got to keep You've got to keep everything in front of you and you can't let a lot of yards after contact happen. Kansas tackles well and if they're able to bring down some of these bigger talented pass catchers and, and runners for minimal gains or less gains than they could get, that's going to go a long way too.
0: Yeah, I do not envy anybody trying to tackle Tatavian Sanders in the open field, by the way. No. And I certainly would have no chance.
1: No. Uh, he's a uh, he's He's a, a freak. Um, good. I mean, they got they got good backs. You know, they got good players. I mean, they got. I mean, Jonathan Brooks. He's not. He's not exactly easy to bring down either. Um, yeah. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be a challenge for sure. Um, I don't know. I think I think I don't think KU has to play a perfect game, but they've got to win the turnover margin and they've got to win in the explosive place. And I think those are a, a great start for them. All right, Nick. Let's predict this game. Let's predict KU Texas. What you got?
0: Oh boy, man, I don't know. So one of the thing, one of the note I will drop in drop in here is Texas has Red River next week. I don't know how much you think that maybe plays into it. I don't know. I mean, the reality is, just, I mean, with KU coming in ranked and the fact that KU has beaten Texas before, you would think that Texas would still have their ears perked up for this game. But Red River against Oklahoma next week probably going to be a top. 10-ish, top 15 matchup. I don't know, but, uh, man, I mean, I, I would love to pick KU here. I, I think I got to go with Texas, though. I just, I, I feel like it might be too much. I, I do think is going to play it close. I'll go Texas, like, 45, Kansas, 34. 45, 34, Texas, you say. Okay. Yep. Um But it'll be a one-score game most of the way, I think.
1: Yeah. I hope. I I think uh I the line last I saw was was Kansas plus 17. Mm. I would take that. I think um I think Kansas is going to put up a really good fight. I think Texas is a good football team, don't get me wrong. I think they're a good football team. Um I don't think that they are beating Bama most years. Good. Okay. I think I I think we a lot of what Texas is reputation right now where they're ranked is about them beating Bama and I don't think Bama's has good this year that's not to say they're not a good football team this is a good football team and this is a team that will have more talent on the field than Kansas will I think execution is going to be crucial and that's going to give them their best shot at winning this game I still you know I, talent beats scheme most of the time <laughs> <laughs> um but I do think Kay's going to play a very good football game. I think they're going to show and prove that they are a uh, a quality opponent. I think they're going to give you reason for hope for the remainder of the season. I think they're going to play a good game. I think they're going to fall just a little bit short. I have them come I they're going to cover this game. They're going to they're going to cover it. Uh I think they're going to lose 35-27. I think that's going to be yeah. my score. Defense does some good things offense does some good things it's, it's close late they just aren't able to finish in a very difficult environment to try to finish a game off um but yeah, i think but you're
0: losing by losing by eight points or ten points on the road against texas to me that doesn't change the trajectory of the season for kansas absolutely least. if it's anything not. i mean you could you could come out of this game with a loss and actually feel better about kansas i think that's a very yes. possibility as well
1: i so. i don't think you've seen the best version of kansas the last two weeks and if they put no. their best version of it together i think they can beat texas um, I think they're going to put a good performance together, and I would love to see him win. Bad hombres pick in a 38-35 win off of a Seth Keller kick. Seth uh, Keller, baby. I would love that to happen, believe me. Uh, I will lose my mind if Kansas is able to beat the number three team in the country in Austin, Texas. I mean, we can dream for a second. We can dream for a second. KU beats Texas. Oh, I love dreaming. I love dreaming. KU beats Texas this week in Austin. Mm-hmm. They're a top ten team. Yes. They're think, top 10 if, they be te- if they
0: beat if they beat Texas in Austin, you have to have the conversation about going beyond the Big Twelve title game. Th-
1: it's it's it. The, if Ku beats Texas this week, the question now becomes: <gasps> Can Ku be the next TCU? Like that's the kind of conversation we're gonna have. Like that's what it'll be because Texas is, is where. Where did TCU go to? To beat maybe maybe the Texas. P- 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 playoff? Yeah. I mean, that's exactly like, that's where the, that's where the conversation is going to go. Like, it will be insanity. If Kansas does this and pulls it off and it will be a lot of fun. And I, every com K will again, be the darling of college football. Again, people will be having unbelievable conversations about the trajectory of this team. And it will be, they'll start throwing. Can Kansas be the, this year's TCU? I mean, yeah. I mean, it'd be insane. I, I top 10 easily. It'd be a top 10 yep. team. Yep. Be a top 10 team in the country. Be insane. I can't wait. Uh, I hope that happens. I'm picking 35 27 Texas, though. All that to be said. But it's fun to dream every now and then, right? Hopefully. Uh, oh, ho- hopefully, we're wrong. I, I want nothing more than to be wrong about that. I would love to see this Kansas team when they have it in them. It's going to take a really great performance to do it. And, uh, Their best can be good enough to do that. All right. That is going to do it for Booster Review. Thank you all so much for listening and watching. Thank you for those that joined live. We appreciate you and we'll catch you later. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU.